Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of the Mark Struchowski podcast. Before we get started, I got to tell you about my lead magnet. Don't worry about what that is if you don't know what it is. Just head on over to top5productivitytips.com. That's number five. And I will tell you, you'll get more than five productivity tips, but it's my gift to you, top5productivitytips.com. On the show today, I'm going to try not to butcher his name, Nathaniel Pichon Getzels a top-ranking real estate professional in California, and he has run a group of agents for over a decade. He's the founder of Getzel's Group, now a part of Compass, specializing in selling luxury properties. He has been investing in real estate for over 20 years, and today he told me the two things we're going to talk about that I'm going to hold him to is, number one, real estate secrets nobody told you and celebrity real estate trends nathaniel welcome to the show thank you so much it's a pleasure to be here today and i did i get your name okay you you got it very well yeah very impressive well, very impressive well, well, th- i was expecting much that. more of a of a butcher so you did a great <laughs> <laughs> well well the name like struchowski i i really try hard to get people's names correct so you're out in california what what about what part of california I'm actually in um, Los Angeles right now. I'm sitting in my office in Calabasas. Wow. You know, I've only been to California once. I'm based in Houston. Mm -hmm. I've been to California once. and It was another lifetime ago. I went to some conference. Oh, my goodness. Way back in 19... Oh, my goodness. No, I think it was like 2002. And I went to Anaheim for a convention. Mm -hmm. And it was the Anaheim Disneyland Hotel. And my boss took me to the convention. And the one thing I remember, the only time I've been at Disneyland is you were able to hotel guests were able to take the monorail. Mm -hmm. I didn't go to the park. I got to go to the monorail around it, which is pretty cool. But that's the only time I've been to California. And the one thing, the most important thing I remember about that, Nathaniel, is when we left, we started flying over the ocean. And I remember telling my boss, because I had not flown that many times before then, I'm like, uh, Houston's the other way. And he goes, no, they go over the ocean and turn around. So I was kind of freaked out. Like we're going the wrong way. I don't want to go to Hawaii at this point. So anyways, well, I mean, I'm glad it might've been fun. Yeah. But, uh, I wasn't prepared for it. And when you go from uh, California to Hawaii, it's not a, a 30 minute trip. It's a long trip. And, uh, yeah, it I, is. It yeah. Like- it's, it's about five to six hours. So that's not a, not a short, short amount of time there for sure. And, you know, actually that's quite a big, issue um, for some people is the flight paths because they do take off over the ocean so that, you know, Westchester and, and all these very expensive, um, uh, not Westchester, but these other expensive uh, ocean cities don't have planes, you know, taking off over them directly. I mean, you have parts of Inglewood that you can't help it because the, the, the airport's right there. But I had a guy years ago, and it was over in Topanga Canyon. And uh, it was one of the weirdest things I'd ever seen. Not weirdest, but one of the most unique. Um, you know, we, we have all kinds of eccentric uh, people here. And this guy, you could be inside a two-story house. And he would know if there was a plane outside above the house at any point. I mean, to a point where I had to go outside and check and you just saw a dot up in the air somewhere wow. and he could, he goes, I can feel it. I can feel it. So, you know, that the, they changed the flight paths uh, to, to go over to where they turn back around different places and, you know, where the mountains are, 
you, you change the flight path over a mountain, that plane's dramatically closer to, to the houses. Wow. So it was pretty interesting that, that one we had to do what's called a sound test. I've never had to deal with that ever, ever again in 12 years, but we did a, a sound test before he bought any house where we had to put microphones around the property and oh, have wow. them sit there for several days and record different sound levels. It was, it was really, really wild, but yeah. Yeah. You went over the ocean and you thought, well, you know, I mean, look, be adventurous. Hawaii is not bad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know. So let's talk about real estate because I'll be 57 in just a couple of weeks. June 21st, I will celebrate birthday number 57. I don't say I turned 57 because I'm not sour milk. I didn't turn. <laughs> I'm not like the walking dead. Didn't turn into zombie. But for the longest time, up until about four or five years ago, I was raised, you invest in the 401k, you invest in the stock market, and that's all you do. That's the secret to success. Mm-hmm. Then I came across a guy named Grant Cardone, and he goes, real estate's where it's at, because people always need a place to live. And to this day, I'm still convinced that the stock market, there's some little old lady smoking a cigar, throwing dice in the back room. I, it's not predictable. It goes up and down, up and down. But people need some place to live. So now I am not going to invest in the stock market. I know some people listening to the show are going, oh, what? No, I, I, I think real estate is more stable. And that's why I like having people like you on the show. Because companies need office space, people need houses to live in, whether it's a house, whether it's an apartment. So let's let's talk about the power of real estate. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I fully agree with you. I think it is the, I mean, not I think, but it is definitely the best way on the globe to create uh, generational wealth. And there's a reason that the majority of millionaires and billionaires have at least a large portfolio, if not the largest amount of their money in real estate, right? Even if you look at, you know, everyone goes, oh, well, I'm making all this money in crypto. And well, at least they were until a few months ago. And then <laughs> uh, I'm making all this money in the stock market. I'm making But when uh, investors get to a certain point, most people, at least the, the strategic ones, are creating that money to then have enough to put into real estate. Because that is the best way to protect your assets. And what else? You know, a lot of people, especially here, right? People go, oh, well, why? what makes that house worth $80, 90000000 million? You got to think, well, where, where else are you going to put $90 million that, first of all, hedges inflation, right? Which is mm-hmm. still a big deal at every level. Um, you can insure it, right? I can't insure money in the bank. I can't insure a $90 million, you know, pile of cash. Um, I can rent it. I can live in it. I can take loans out against it so I can leverage it. Uh, it's absolutely spectacular. And so an $80, 90000000 million house, it becomes an asset class, right? It just becomes, oh, it, it's like I was, uh, I was, I was using the term uh, land bank the other day. And, uh, I have this, this guy that every so often, uh, he'll, he'll, he'll go, you know, I have all this money and I, I don't know what to do with it. I'm like, well, what do you, what do you mean? So what his family did years ago is they bought land, right? Which, so they've com- been completely hedged from inflation. Um, and then they bought it for pennies and it's outside major city centers. And so, you know, over time, bought it for pennies, sell it for millions, 
it's a great, not only did you put your money in the bank, but you earned the best interest you could ever imagine. So I heard, mm -hmm. I I don't remember where I heard this from, uh, so I can't quote the source, but when you get into real estate investing, a lot of people recommend don't invest in a single family home because if they leave, then you're, you, you have to go find a new tenant. But if you get like a four door uh, or duplex, a four door, or maybe you invest in an apartment complex, you're never going to have completely all empty units unless it's brand new opening. Do you subscribe to that? Um, so I think the one of the keys is you have to have a plan and whatever that plan is, you run your analysis and that's what you execute. A lot of people, the biggest, one of the biggest mistakes I watch people make is they don't have a plan. <laughs> so, you know, they, they go out with productivity as well. People don't have a plan. Right. If you have no plan, I mean, in general, if you have no plan, that's you're in trouble. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you have a good plan and you stick to that plan and you execute the plan, then that's great. Don't just buy real estate and go, oh, I'm rich now. <laughs> you know, or, or I see them just do the front end of the plan, which is I'm making a plan to buy. Mm. And there's no there's no strategy after that. So once once you get in, you know, if, if you're if your strategy is having a, a, a small rental property, then that's a great plan. I mean, I do a lot of things with STRs, which is short-term rentals as well, which um, you don't want necessarily a multifamily unless you own the whole thing so you can control every unit. Um, I think three and four units are great. And it's a, it, it, there's some very unique strategies you could use there since they can still qualify for a residential loan. So you can put your five, 10 you know, 20% down, have a residential loan. So you have the lower interest, maybe FHA loan even. Um, so, you know, if you don't have a lot of money to get in, you can use an FHA, you could use all these regular residential strategies, but you're literally buying something that's going to create income for you and, and pay you back. And sometimes I have people who live in one unit, rent out the others, and they're living for free or close to it. And if you look at your cash on cash, you know, those, those appreciate very well, as long as you bought in a good area. So, you know, you, when you buy, you want to look at your cash flow, which is the money you have coming in. And then you want to look at your cash on cash, which is the, uh, the equity built. That's how much money you're making, you know, your, your true passive, passive income there. So now when it comes to taxes, you're mm -hmm. taxed at a lower rate on the investment income as opposed to earning income, right? You know, uh, depends how you do your taxes. I'm not a CPA, so okay. uh, you're probably right. I have, okay. uh, I, I for, for all tax things, I have a great <laughs> uh, strategy, which is I have a guy, I have an expert, and I ask the expert for all my, my tax advice because, uh, you know, um, I, I know I'm good at certain things, which is also why I don't try to invest in things that I don't understand because even if I make money, I don't know why. And that's still stressful. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that makes sense. I mean, I mean, yeah. you know, buy a bunch of crypto goes up 300%. You're like, yay, but I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. So it's mm -hmm. still kind of scary with yeah. real estate. You know where your money is. Well, yeah. I do. 
you know, if you have well, good. Speaking of, speaking of experts, that's mm-hmm. why I had you on the show. Now, you promised us you would share some secrets that no one told us about. So we're going to pretend no one else is listening to this or watching this on YouTube. We're just you're just going to reveal the secret. So we'll look around and make sure no one's listening. So what are some of these secrets? Because everyone thinks they know about real estate and they really don't. They, people talk a big talk. But as people like you who are in the game for year after year, you know the true secret. So give us some secrets that you don't think we know. Because I probably don't know them. I'm not in real estate other than I own a home. But tell us these secrets, some of these secrets. Well, you know, the the biggest one that I always try to impress upon um, my little groups, right, is um, the secret to winning in real estate is to keep going. So as long as you can manage your debt and you can keep moving forwards, it doesn't matter if you win or lose short term, because if you lose in your next win, you'll be able to deduct that loss from your future win. Uh And if you're winning, then you can mitigate your future losses because everything is a cycle. So is everything always going to go great? No. And is everything always going to go poorly? You sure hope not. But (laughs) as long as you can keep moving forwards and get to that next, you know, the next step, the next day, you're going to win long term. And that's one of the beauties of real estate is it you can almost always win as long as you can endure the storm. Right. So that's the that's the key thing. And also, there's so many different ways to win. Right. It's not just, you know, short term rentals, long term rentals, fix and flip. Um, you have REITs, you have crowdfunding, you have all these different ways to do it. And no way is necessarily right or wrong. It's just different. So that's one of the beauty things of real estate is it's like uh, entrepreneurship in that there's a million ways to win and nobody's wrong. That's that's a good point, and I've never stopped to think about it, but as you're listing all the ways that you can participate in real estate investing, there's a lot of them. And someone like me, and I'd like to know your thoughts on this, when you first get started, don't do it yourself. Go to someone like you, invest in the REIT, because a real estate investment trust, you give money to people, and they who know what they're doing, go out and find the right properties. I don't think anyone, unless you're really going to become a student of real estate investing. And what I mean by that, you don't just read a book or watch a YouTube video. I mean, you really immerse yourself, like learning everything you can about real estate investing, which most people aren't going to do. If you do that, then you're pretty much, you're probably okay going out investing. But I think for the vast majority of people, when they get started, they should either start with a REIT or go in with someone like you who knows the, the how to maneuver the game. Would you agree with that? Do you feel overwhelmed and frustrated? Are you under a lot of stress? There's a better way. You only get one life, so why not feel peace and freedom and enjoy your life? You can. Find out more at 90daystobustingoverwhelm.com. I definitely think you should go with somebody who knows who knows what they're doing. A REIT, the problem with a REIT is that's great if you just have money that you don't need to um, necessarily deploy yourself and you want someone else to do it and you want to kind of know what your gains are. But 
for people who are starting out, usually they don't own where they live, which means they're literally throwing away that money every month, paying somebody else's PITI, principal interest, taxes, and insurance, and helping somebody else build wealth. So, you know, um, it, it, you have to understand the market. So go to somebody where you understand the market who can help you figure out the best place to put your money. So like I have people that I suggest they start with STRs, short-term rentals, because they are more interested in cash flow and they don't necessarily need to live in their property, mm-hmm. right? Or they live with, you know, somebody or they, they, like I have some younger people who they still live at home and they're very happy to live at home. I said, great, but you have this money that, you know, especially right now with inflation at over 8% and the interest rate still down in the fives, you know, you're, you're literally losing money, just holding, holding cash right now. Mm-hmm. And so the best way to win in inflation, this is also another little tip that a lot of people don't think about, but the best way to live, to win in inflation is you put your liquid assets into a, uh, into something that hedges inflation, which, you know, my opinion, the best is real estate because equities are crazy and, you know, crypto's dropping every day. And, you know, so real estate's long term is going to be the safest. So you put your liquid money into real estate and then you leverage it because you lock in your interest rate. And then as, as, as inflation continues, which it's going to for at least a while here, um, you're borrowing at today's uh, expensive dollars and you're paying back at tomorrow's inflated worthless dollars, deflated mm-hmm. dollars. So every month as inflation increases, your payment actually goes down because the money's worth less and it's a fixed amount of money you're paying. Mm-hmm. Right. So okay. it all depends again, what the strategy is. A lot of people need to get into a place because if you only own a rental, but you're still paying rent, you might be just throwing away all of your gains there. Yeah, that's, you know, when I first listened to or read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and he said the home is a liability, not an asset. First Mm -hmm. time I heard it, I didn't understand it. I recently re-listened to the book again, the, I think the 25th anniversary or whatever the anniversary was. And and now it makes sense because an asset makes you money, but a liability takes money. So if you go invest in a property, you're making money off the rent, but you're not going to pay yourself rent. And so when I, I guess I had to hear these things a couple times ago, oh yeah, I'm not, I have to pay someone to live where I live. My wife and I, we, we have a mortgage in our home, but if you are investing in a home, now those people pay you. And it takes a while for people to understand this concept because the American dream to own a home for many people, it's an American nightmare because they don't realize everything that's involved. They just go, well, my parents had a home, my grandparents at home, I should have a home, but they don't stop and go, wait a minute, is this a good thing for me at this point in life? They just go to the bank, find a home, buy a mortgage, and they then several years later, they go, uh-oh, what did I do? Then it's too late. Right. What did I just do? So, you know, last year in the U.S. and the U.K., more people made money in their home than they did in their salaries, which is pretty crazy, unsustainable, yeah. and not the norm, obviously. Um, but because that's the the cash on cash, the equity build was so big. But the problem is most people 
are not going to know how to capture the money out of that. So mm-hmm. it's, it sounds great on paper, but if you're not, if you didn't either refi, do a cash out, sell some of your equity, leverage your equity, take out a loan that's creating you more money somewhere else, what is that equity build? How is that helping you until you sell your house? Right. Very true. So, very true. you know, I mean, a lot of people can leverage that asset, but most people don't know how to, and they just figure, well, I just keep paying this bill and I don't, I don't know why the, the other yeah. problem is, especially um, I've the big trend with millennials is they don't think about uh, deferred maintenance at all. So, <laughs> so you'd be amazed how many people call me, and go, hey, yeah, so I bought this uh, $2 million house, and can you believe it? There's expenses. <laughs> I mean, I had a guy that he thought he had outsmarted the system, and um, he got a beautiful house, and then he calls me and goes, you know, I don't have, I don't have any money to maintenance anything. I'm going to go to Spain and to Europe for two months. Okay. And then I get this panicked call and he goes, it's the middle of the night in Spain. And apparently something called a sprinkler system needed to be maintenanced and it's flooding my house. Can you believe it? Oh no. I'm like, well, (laughs) I did tell you you have to maintenance that thing because it's a high pressure water system to prevent fires from, from burning down your house. He goes, Oh, I just don't understand. You know, I buy an expensive house. Why do I have to keep spending money on it? You mean it's not all inclusive? <laughs> right, it's just you know, it's like a resort in Mexico. You pay once and that's it. Wow. But that that's well, actually the biggest thing that uh, millennials don't take into effect. So when I say you have to make a plan, you have to make a good plan. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, so I want to ask you about celebrity real estate deals. So mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure we have a few of them in Houston, Texas, because it's you know major city, the fourth largest city in the country. But right. nothing compared out in California. I mean, <clears throat> so what did you want to share with us about real celebrity real estate deals? Because I have no idea even what to ask you here because this is like speaking a foreign language to me. I get it. I get it. And there's a lot of funny little things about it that have to do with, you know, when you sell the house, when you buy the house. But one of the things that's really interesting to me that um, it's not something that you can really know how it is until you experience it. But when you have a client set where money is not even close to the most important thing in the transaction, because remember, for most people around the globe, buying real estate is going to be their biggest financial investment yeah. of their life. But now you get, you take that out. And then what becomes important? And it's fascinating to me what those things are, right? Which is, you know, it's your lifestyle. It's your, the, the way the, the property makes you feel. It's privacy, I imagine. Privacy. It's who you get to brag about the property to is it is it a trophies property is it do i get to show off about it but um, more than anything it's it's how the property makes you feel is the most important thing for most people right or one of my clients he always goes it's the vibe i have to feel the vibe we'll literally walk into a house and he'll go <laughs> i feel it or you'll walk in the house i don't feel the vibe we got to go wow and that's it and it's just you know 
So years ago, I did, I used to do research. Before I was in real estate, I was, I was a teacher. And I did all this research. And one of the projects that I did was about the determining factor that people, that determine if people use green space, meaning outdoor space, you know, hiking, all that sort of stuff. Because it's established that that is mentally good for you. Mentally and physically, it, it's healthy for you. And a lot of people love it and will report that it's a high value item for them in their life. However, is that a determining factor that if, if people use it or not? No. The number one determining factor if people use green space or go to just general things that they actually enjoy that are good for them is accessibility and proximity. So if you're close to and it's easy to get to or easy to access these items, people will do them. I mean, I don't know uh, about in Houston, but here in L.A., there's this um, this canyon. It's called Runyon Canyon. It's right under the Hollywood sign. And it is like the place to go. It's where all the celebrities hike. It's where all the, the Hollywood people hike. Runyon Canyon. Oh, oh, I'm going to Runyon Canyon. It's like a status thing. Oh, I did, I did a hike at Runyon Canyon. I'm thinking it's a flat loop. Okay. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not a hard hike. It's not one I would brag about. There's much better hikes nearby, but, but you know, it's close by it's there and, and it's, it's a status symbol. It's not even about the hike at that point. Right. But, and I think it's because of where it is. It's right in the middle of Hollywood, you know? Uh, so sometimes the location and access to the things that people like are, are more important or, you know, I want to be able to walk somewhere. I want to be able to, uh, I want to be able to sit in my backyard and meditate without hearing a car, a plane, you know, a train, whatever it is. So once you take out that factor of money, it's people get into really into the style of houses. They get really into the unique little things of those, those homes, which become much more important. And uh, obviously privacy is very important for most celebrities. But like, if you look at Woodland Hills, I think more celebrities live here in Woodland Hills, which is right next to Calabasas here than any other city in the country. Wow. So, you know, it's, it's a trade off there and, and privacy, you'd think about it being super, super important, but it's really more security than privacy. Right. Right. So right here next to Calabasas, we have Hidden Hills, which is the whole city is guard gated with armed guards 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Wow. And a lot of those guys still have more security, personal security with them all the time. Hmm. So, you know, it's a comfort level. It's security. Privacy is important. But if you have security, you don't you're not as worried about privacy. Like if you look at. Carbon Beach, which is called Billionaire's Beach. It's here in Malibu. And they are literally some of the most expensive houses in the world on this beach. It's, it's called Billionaire's Beach because most of the people who own the properties there are billionaires. And those houses are fishbowls. I mean, <laughs> if you walk along the beach, you're looking right into everybody's house. It is not, it's, I would not call it private. I'll say, I mean, inside, sure, because the doors are closed, but. But yeah. there's you know, it's interesting. I, I I heard Grant Cardone just bought a forty million dollar property with cash out in um Palm Beach. That what you just said, uh, Melbourne, I'm sorry, right there on the beach. And he's been sharing his you know his renovations on Instagram. 
Mm-hmm. And it's like, I'm like, what you just said, like, what's with all the windows? Cause people can walk by the beach. I'm like, okay, well, that's what he wanted. But I know most people listening to this show in my podcast, right? They, when they go out and buy property, they're thinking money. And, but what I want to impress upon everybody as we wrap up the show here is there was a time when Jim Carrey didn't make any money. Mm-hmm. There was a time when Bruce Willis didn't make any money. They didn't weren't born with this kind of money. They have the kind of money now. And I want to encourage people, if you get nothing else out of this show, I mean, you deliver tons of value, Nathaniel. Thank you. But you can get to this point where you can go get a property and not worry about the money. It, it's Absolutely. up to you. Yeah. So I hope that as a side benefit for this conversation with you that they get inspired to go, I want to go buy a property and not have to worry about a mortgage. Cause I'm going to put cash down. Yeah. 7 million. Here's my cash. Cause if they did it, you can do it too. Just want you to, I want to leave that with everyone. So I know people are going to want to know more about you, what you're doing in the world and how they can get in contact with you. And how would they do that? Well, there's a couple of ways. The best way is go to my Instagram, Getzel's Group, G-E-T-Z-E-L-S-G-R-O-U-P, Getzel's Group. It has my phone number and practically my blood type on there. Um, if you Google my, <laughs> you know, you can basically find it all. Google my name, Nathaniel Getzel's. It's everywhere. Call me, send me a, a direct message that it goes directly to me. It's authentically me. Um, uh, and I'm happy to uh, discuss any any questions somebody might have or you know if people want to know where they where they should look or what how they should structure a deal or how they should start you know what the the first first step is i mean i've literally had clients who homeless to house to living in their dream house so everyone can do it wow. i fully i fully agree with you and i can i can create create the plan with you to to get you there Excellent. One final question. Have you ever sold a property to like a celebrity? I don't want to know who the celebrity is, but have you ever sold it to a celebrity? It could be a movie star. It could be like a major, like a Tim Cook kind of guy. Have you ever done that? I absolutely have. Yes. And, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're right. I can't tell you because most of the times they are, uh, I have to sign NDAs and all kinds of privacy agreements. That is where the privacy comes in. The privacy is about when they're buying and what they're buying. That's yep. the biggest thing. But yeah, top CEOs, top celebrities, entertainers, musicians, actors, um, music executives, anything you can imagine. Everybody wants to live here in L.A. Wow. Well, now, Daniel, I want to thank you for coming on the show today. It was an absolute delight talking about real estate, talking about things we didn't know and geeking out a little bit about how celebrities buy homes in real estate. So thank you so much for being here, sir. Absolutely. It was my pleasure. And uh, thank you so much for having me. And before we go, I just want to say thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mark Stucheski podcast. I know that there is an endless stream of options for you in this day and age, but you took the time to listen to the episode. And I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. Don't forget to head on over to top5productivitytips.com and get my gift to you, my top five productivity tips. Remember, it's the number five in top5productivitytips.com. They will serve you well. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. We'll see you again real soon.